Welcome to Cannabis School. I'm your host, Jesse Angelus. And I'm Brandon Elder. And we're here to talk to you about everything pertaining to cannabis, from vape, flower, edibles, strains, and everything in between. Hey, welcome back. Today we're going to meet with Anna Simon. She's a retired rugby Premier League player. She's also a cannabis advocate for sports. Go ahead and check this out. You're you're not your your regular cannabis activist. Um, you played rugby. How long mm-hmm. did you how how long have you been playing? Well, I retired last year and I played for a little over 20 years uh, total. I started in college and continued probably far too long for you know my body um my body's pleasure but you know mm-hmm. um i i was still competing at the top level and i you know it's really hard to to give up the thing you love so um right so i retired at the age of i think i was uh i turned 41 i was 40 or 41 when i retired I'm 41 now, but I just, I couldn't remember when my birthday was, but I totally can relate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when you retired, was that due to pain or just damage to your body? Just oldness, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's a pretty, I mean, it's a very physical sport and, uh, the recovery, you know, it, it was just taking, I was still competing well, but I could see the writing on the wall where, you know, it takes more and more out of you to achieve that same level of performance. So the amount of recovery and the amount that you're spending all of your life energy focused on this one thing. And even then with that, you're still going to see performance inevitably declining. Um, And so, yeah, for me, it was, I was still competing, but COVID disrupted things and yeah. I, I chose to move to Hawaii. So um, living out on the islands, I can't really play <laughs> play in the Premier League like I was. You know, it's a pretty far commute. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was a, it was a life change and I almost had to make myself uh, move away to be able to, you know, let go of it. Wow. Yeah, I was I was about to ask that because it, when you're attached to something, I mean, it's it's not just something you did. It was you. It was part of you. It was your life. And you're literally, it's like cutting off a limb at that point. For sure. It's, it's, um, you know, you're a lot of times, not just your identity in terms of like your achievements and what you're proud of, but also, um, your social life, your community, you know, and then, um, there's a, a lot of sense of duty and obligation for the organization, you know, women's sports, we don't have a lot of funding. And so there's always um, players among us who are involved in the leadership and helping um, keep the organization running too. So, yeah, so it was, it was really that big pause of COVID shutting everything down for a while where I said, Oh, now that I don't have, you know, I'm freed from some of these responsibilities. I don't know when play is coming back. And realistically, looking at my age, what else do I want in my life? So, so yeah. how early in your life did you start using cannabis? Um, I think I was around thirteen the first time I tried cannabis. So, yeah, kind of early teen years. Uh huh. Were you in the states then, or were you? Yes, yeah, in a different yeah, country. Yeah, I I grew up in New England. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. So pretty young. Yeah. The, the other stuff where it was good or it was bad, right? And it's just like, well, this is good weed. I mean, this is bad weed. You don't want that stuff. That stuff's awful. <laughs> it's interesting because I grew up, um, you know, I grew up like uh, along the Vermont border on the New Hampshire side. And Vermont was always known for dank oh, yeah. weed. And I was growing up anyway. And so that was, so I, I think even though we were kids and we were sort of still like scraping around you know, um, to, to get a hold of pot. It was like, um, when we did, it was still, I think, decent quality, of course. And all I have to really compare that with is when I went out West for college, I ended up going to school in Southwest Colorado, which I loved, but that was my first, I feel like my first encounters with like brickweed, the very different qualities of that. And of course, Colorado was always known even 
prior to legalization for having dank weed as well. But there's just, you know, being closer over to Mexico and some of those trade routes. Um, there's, I think there's probably more brick weed over that way that made yeah. it, at least during that time. I feel like anymore, there's, I don't know if brick weed's even a thing anymore, um, which is for the best, I guess. I saw a thing on Reddit and it literally looked like someone had got brick weed that was just broken apart in a bag. And they were like, did my dealer just give me herbs? And I'm like, oh, why Why are you ever buying that? Like, I don't know where you are There's at. No reason and I'm too, sorry, no. but you should never be buying that. That was horrible. Just quality has yeah. changed. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, and, you know, I think some of the trade routes have changed too. Yes. And definitely. so it's not like, it, you know, a lot more product, I would say, most things are most herb is sourced from within the u.s now probably even if people are buying on yeah. the unregulated market yeah yeah I don't, I don't know anybody be buying mexican swag right now that stuff is yeah. awful it's like, <laughs> why so there's a dispensary right over here yeah for real so they're all over now you use cannabis since 13 was it on and off uh, yeah, you so that throughout college? I mean, of course, coming out to Colorado. It's a good question. I have tended to go in like um, ebbs and flows. And some of that's dependent on the circumstances of my life. And and some of it's been um, maybe listening to my body, especially as I got older. I started to pay attention to that. So, you know, when I was young, I had my little, I had kind of my period of rebellion. I was always an athlete. I played all the sports. I was a soccer player up until my first year of college. Um, I found rugby and I switched over, you know, being an athlete and especially the era that I grew up in, you know, a kid in the eighties, a teen in the nineties, we, it was very much like the war on drugs, like the egg, this is your brain in the frying pan. This is your brain on drugs, right? So all that, it was the dare program, you know, we had all that. And it was very much like this will ruin your life. This will damage you irreparably. But, you know, being a rebellious teen, as teenagers tend to be, um, of course, I, I tried some things. And so, so I tried pot. And I was like, oh, this doesn't seem like it's damaging my brain. It seems like pretty mild. Like, as right, you know, I, I did get high, but it wasn't like... Um, it Not wasn't scary. Expect. It wasn't incapacitating and it, it didn't seem damaging. Um, and now, of course, I didn't ever, I had never drank alcohol at that point. I didn't try wow. that until maybe a couple of years later. And when I did, it was like, you know, kids been drinking natty ice or whatever we could afford, <laughs> yeah. like whatever people stole. I think the first time that I drank sorry mom and dad but it was new year's and they had gone somewhere and my friend and i um she came over it was just us me and my friend sarah and we we stole some peach schnapps from my parents liquor cabinet and we we didn't know about drinking and we had like a couple warm beers that she had like slowly (laughs) hidden away from her mom and so like we had like yeah we had a few warm beers that we were hiding in the closet and peach schnapps and we drank all that and of course we were not we didn't feel that we got all hyper and then she threw up and yeah. I was trying to clean it up. And my parents came home and I was like, oh. uh, you know, so <laughs> I was like comparing that with like giggling and eating some food and going to sleep. It was just kind of like, and then of course, going further into high school, I was, you know, I was really into sports. And so it was like, the messaging was very much at that point, you know, it became like social too. It was like, oh, you can be an athlete or you can be a druggie, but not both. Yeah, 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 and so they sort of make you choose um, this affiliation, even though it was weird because there were kids who were druggies, but they were really good at sports. There, you mm-hmm. know, it oh, was yeah. almost like uh, that movie. What is that movie where it's like it was from the '90s, but it's the '70s, and there's like the kids on the football team. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, that's the one. That's right. Yep. Um, yeah, movie. it was sort of like that. There's that, but I think it was like illustration of like. There are kids yeah. who are known as stoners and they're great athletes. Mm-hmm. And and it was presented as like that was just sort of ignored or like they were sort of looked at as like, ooh, they're rule like breakers or they're, you know, you're expected to be this athlete who does all the like checks all these boxes. And so I think in high school I probably didn't smoke pot very much. Um, like I had my eighth grade year, like sort of my rebellious period, and then it was sort of maybe periodic. 
but not an it wasn't I wasn't seeking it out so much but the drinking you know came into play and I wasn't like drinking a lot but it was a part you know you go to parties and everybody's been drinking and getting wasted throwing up poisoning themselves and it was like somehow that's okay but yeah right how many people do you see like getting into fights or drunk driving or just like hospital getting alcohol poisoning you're like you know the worst thing I've seen is someone get really anxious and then fall asleep Uh (laughs) and yeah and so then college it was the same like freshman year I was hanging out with some of the the hippie kids and they always had great pot and so I I was smoking pot more and it was a different social scene and and then um so I went to my first year of college uh, in upstate New York and then I transferred schools and went out to Southern Colorado. Yeah. I think it was just this occasional, then it wasn't like, it wasn't as judgmental, but it was sort of like something that I didn't necessarily seek out because also rugby has this big drinking culture. And so after Uh the game, you have a social and you have a, it's even called a drink up, like where you (laughs) drink with the other team and like sing songs and, you know, eat food and, and party. Um, and so that's kind of, it's kind of nice in terms of the social aspect, but there really is like a heavy drinking culture attached to the sport. And that after college, you know, when I continued on playing at the adult level, it continued to be that way. You know, the, the drinking wow. culture was even more pronounced and, and I was very much a part of it. And, um, and I enjoyed myself. I had fun, but it was really taking a toll on my body. And the older I got, the more I noticed that. And, you know, being in Oregon at that point, we also have a strong cannabis culture in the state. Mm -hmm. And I had a number of teammates Mm -hmm. who were kind of like known as the stoners. And, and I was like, you know, maybe loosely affiliated. I I definitely wasn't one of the stoners, but I was, I would hang with them and I would smoke with them. That's how like my good friend, it was great. I'd be like, she would give me weed or, or sell it to me for a friend price in like joint increments. I'd be like, can you roll me like X number of joints? <laughs> you knew I was so like you know, hopeless at rolling and whatever. That's and so, fantastic. But yeah. And, but then as time went, went on, I really started and I really like pushed myself athletically and I started, you know, trying to sort of like maximize my, uh, my achievements in rugby as well as, um, like I started doing MMA as a side sport hobby. Dude, I really loved serious. it. And so I was, I was training a ton and my whole life was focused around that for a few years of just physically, you know, training, doing both of those things for a couple of years. And, and, um, and so, and that's a weight sport too. And so I really like, I noticed I cut back on drinking because of that, like calories and all those things and, and the impacts that it had. But I also, that made me really notice the impacts that it had. And I found myself not liking it anymore. And my body sort of mm-hmm. starting to reject it. Um, yeah. And at the same time, I was like, I was like using my friend's homemade cannabis edibles for getting good sleep because, you know, when you're training super hard, you need to get to sleep at a certain time so you can get up and train again, you know, and if oh, you yeah. don't, if you can't fall asleep, it's a big problem. And sometimes your trainings are going later at night. And so, you know, you really have to be able to Shut down. Um, and so, yeah. yeah. And so that was when I really started using cannabis more strategically and mindfully at the same time as I was noticing and I was just stepping away from alcohol. So around probably like by the end of 2014, I had decided I don't want alcohol in my life anymore. I'm just not going to drink. And cannabis was playing a bit more of a part. And I started really um, looking into the science and reading about, mm-hmm. you know, the research that was was coming out uh I got interested in CBD and then I started working in the cannabis industry so then I had access to like you know a lot of cannabis (laughs) I was working with it it was like you know pounds and uh I mean which is crazy yeah it is it is but you get so used to it and you're like oh it wasn't that much it was only like five pounds or something you know it'll be that's how it is when you work with hundreds of pounds and yeah large amounts it just becomes yeah uh, yeah (laughs) and so yeah and so i really started at that point having all this access to and reading the science and um and knowing my own experiences trying things more finding what worked and um and and getting older as an athlete and finding how helpful it was for me it was just like oh okay this is so it was like a new area of like more mindful consumption instead of this recreational 
um, approach, which I don't have, you know, I don't have a problem with, but for me, it was like, oh, now I'm really using this therapeutically. And so it was a shift in, um, it's intentional use. Yeah. And it's having Mm -hmm. a specific intention for your use Mm -hmm. instead of just like, Hey, I'm trying to get high and finding that. Yeah. It's yeah. My journey with alcohol has been very similar. I used to have a lot of fun, used to drink quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And over the years, it just is my journey into cannabis. Like I found cannabis and I had such a less desire to drink. And now one glass of wine, I'll have a headache. Like I don't Uh enjoy it. And so it's, yeah, it's totally changed that relationship. And so Mm -hmm. it's really introduced a whole new relationship with cannabis that it's like, it's allowed me to really hone in on my body and how it's interacting with me and to really use it with intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really resonated with what you said, where your body starts shifting. I'm in my forties. I'll, I'll be 44 in February. And I just, I think back to when I used to be in the Navy. So of course, you know, when you're talking to like drinking is part of the culture, it definitely is part of the culture. Like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not, Hey, do you want to drink? Is like, why do you only have two drinks in your hands? Like this, yeah. we're here to party. But now think I, I still love, I, I think I imagine about my favorite beer and I love the taste in my mind, but I know now that it's just my body at my age. It's just like, Hey, that's cool, but maybe not so much anymore. And now I've just lost the taste for it completely. Right. I, I, I don't feel weird about it. like, and people don't feel weird about it. If they ask if I'm at a social get together or anything like, Hey, you want to drink? I'm like, no, I don't drink. And they go, Oh, it's because yeah, he's religious. Like, no, oh, it's because right, I just got high out in the parking lot. <laughs> and they go, Oh, okay. Okay. I'm so sorry. Like, why are you sorry? I'm sorry for you. You want to go outside? Yeah. Like, it's like one of the best community gathering activities you can do because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to have like, okay, guys, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about astral projection. Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, that's an interesting conversation to get on to with it, but, but at the same time, it's just like what you said, like it's, it's a very weird dynamic. Once you start using it with a purpose that like, I'm using this for therapeutic reasons, right? Like I'm using this to help me focus. I'm using this to help relieve stress. I'm using this for add in those things. So now when I tell people, they go, Oh, do you get high all the time? I'm like, no, I haven't been high in a long time. I actually use with intent. So if I'm feeling good now, there are been times where I've done like, Whoa, I'm actually pretty high right now. Like I, I know now, just like you with the, with the science, you're like, I've got CBD on hand. I can bring this back down. I can chill myself out. Mm -hmm. So many people don't realize that it's not just, you know, like, I I mean, I grew up in, I mean, you remember the movie fast times at Ridgemont high. Uh-huh. Spicoli, Sean Penn, you like, whoa, right. man. That's how stoners have always appeared. And I, right. always tell, I mean, I, I, when I tell people that I use, especially within the business community, they go, wait, are you using now? And I'm like, what time is it? <laughs> yeah. People are always like, wait, so do you, do you play? Like, do you get high and play? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't. But I, I know plenty of people do and they're international class players. And it just depends oh, yeah. on the person. Like for me, mm-hmm. I need to keep my aggression. And cannabis, I Makes you know, you again, chill. so it's individual though. Like um I know plenty of people who like to smoke before they go lift weights. For me, mm-hmm. I know that's not a good like I've tried it. It's not really my best mode. But if I'm going to go on like a long run, which isn't really rugby training, but it's, it's nice. Sometimes it's pleasant to go on like a scenic run and you just out there, you know, for that, like a moderate level edible or like low to moderate level is like transcendent. You can have this Mm -hmm. like really beautiful experience. Um, But for me, I have to keep my aggression. Other people, you know, it just depends. Like other people can also work. People can, can smoke and be like focused and work. And I'm like, mm, I know myself, I always get tired, no matter if it's like, no, Sativa, it's gonna, I've never had that energetic. It just doesn't, um, it's a, it's a sleepy thing. But that's why I, you know, I smoke in the evenings before bed when I have, you know, like, relaxation mode. And so that's what like, for me, I know specifically, like how cannabis affects me. And, and there's no one size fits all. 
Um, and so I don't, you know, with my experience, it's absolutely the case for me, but there are other people who have a very different true experience of their own um, when it comes to like working out or sports or um, any of that working focus. It's so, so personal. That's, that's cool that you, I mean, especially knowing your body that way, because for me, I can use sativas during the day. It doesn't make me sleepy, but I only uh -huh. use a certain amount and, uh, right. and I, and I stack it throughout the day, just little bits. Um, you know, Brandon uses it a lot for pain. So that helps him manage mm -hmm. it. And this guy, he, he consumes an unreasonable amount. And I say unreasonable for, for that specific yeah. statement there. And, and he'll be like, yeah, I mean, that's all right. Because the pain is so severe in him, the medicine mm -hmm. is actually working. So it, it, yes. it makes more sense on that side. So it's knowing your body. So knowing exactly, because I love to lift on it. It, it helps mm -hmm. me to focus. Mm -hmm. I, I get great pumps out of it. I, I, I leave there wrecked, but renewed. Yeah, yeah, See, uh, whenever I hear, I'm always like, maybe I should try. I give it one more try, but no, <laughs> I, it for work. me, yeah. But what I know too, I also experimented with microdosing edibles before trainings, and when it was during seven season, which is like intense sprinting, and so there's a level of pain that goes along with that, and yeah. there's a level of like um, flow state in your muscles. And I found that microdosing low dose edibles, like like a one to one of THC and CBD, like one milligram each. Yeah. Gave gave me like a nice like it didn't it didn't like intoxicate me or make me, you know, it didn't take my edge away too much, but yeah. it gave me an a it it blunted the pain just a tiny bit and helped me get in that flow state. Cool. Um so there's there's definitely applications just depending on your own body. Um mm -hmm. and you know, I I had teammates and I know professional players in various leagues, uh, who including the NFL and the NBA who would smoke before their games at halftime if they could and of course immediately after and that's the zone where i find like afterwards especially being old the pain you know it's like quick before the adrenaline wears off like get some pain relief in you know yeah. because i'm gonna stiffen up and be like ah oh yeah no, i thought I, I saw this funny meme on on tiktok about that where it talks about you know when you get up from the couch in your 20s and it's just in your 30s <laughs> and then you get to your 40s and the guy's like he barely moves and he farts and all of a sudden something sounds like it's breaking and he just collapses. Like I feel that now I, I did when you were talking about, you know, MMA, I, I did martial arts all since I was growing up. I trained Muay Thai fighters and yeah. I know exactly now that pain, like my hips, like, yeah. And, and jujitsu was awesome, especially when you're, I mean, I, I didn't use cannabis at the time, but I think about it now, like no wonder why the UFC was like, no, we consider that more of a performance enhancing drug because <laughs> I could sit there and get my arm just tweaked out and just like, okay, well, I'm just going to relax and figure my way out of this. <laughs> you know, it is interesting. Like for me, it definitely doesn't rise to the level of a performance enhancing substance, the way of like doping, you know, giving an yeah. unfair advantage, but it definitely supports overall wellness and good recovery. Mm -hmm. And that's what cannabis has given me so much of like, all the things that I've been prescribed over the years for different injuries. And I've got chronic injuries too, that I, I have to live with and manage and, um, you know, I pain every imagine. day. <laughs> you threw some wicked tackles. So yeah. Oh, some of these pictures you see, Yeah, like you, you talk about your, you know, you need your edge, you need your aggression. Like, yeah, I saw it right there. And so did she, when she felt it when <laughs> yeah. hit her. And so it's, that's uh. so cool. And then, you, I mean, even saying that right there, you're like, oh, you, you brings you back to that moment. You're like, yeah, I remember those, those things stay with <laughs> you. They bring the smiles. It's true. It's true. And I, I don't have any regrets. I wouldn't yeah. change anything, but it would have been interesting if I knew ahead of time, like if I could start from when I was young, I probably would have traded in a lot of that drinking, not mm -hmm. done that and traded some of it in for cannabis because, um, you know long-term alcohol just damages you and, and it takes your energy and it take it just you know messes up your hormone levels and your all these things hydration whereas cannabis doesn't it's anti-inflammatory yeah. you know helps sleep and well, it makes you drink so lots of water yeah <laughs> that's true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's cool to see like what you are doing now to help other players in that though. Like the UC San Diego thing that you guys are working on yeah. for the NFL players. Um, have you done much with that study so far? 
Well, the pace of research is notoriously slow. So it's always, there's a lot of planning and paperwork before the study can even launch. Um, and so this, so it got approved and funded. This year is all the then um, paperwork and permissions and that kind of thing. And we're sort of waiting to hear on the date we can actually launch the study with, you know, in humans. Um, but but it has been really rewarding to be a part of, of that group and um, to be able to give feedback on the study design and say, here's a realistic, um, you know, because ultimately studies are are only worth so much if they're not realistic. If they're set up in these artificial conditions, what can they really tell us about real life? And there's all kinds of legal barriers to making them realistic, but um, clever researchers have found a lot of workarounds and a lot of um, good designs. And so to be able to say like, these are the types of schedules that players will have. These are the types of um, of challenges they're going to face and needs they're going to have. And here's what players are doing currently to meet those needs, which includes across, you know, not just rugby, but other sports, people self-medicate. And a lot oh, yeah. of times they're mm -hmm. using things like alcohol, they're using um, other things, you know. And so um, things that I think are a lot more risky, no, that I know that science demonstrates are a lot more risky and harmful um, yeah. right and so uh, I think it's just all about balance and everybody's body's needs are different but there's a lot that cannabis can offer yeah and if they find the proper dosing and maybe it's a specific terpene or even staying away from THC and only using aspects like CBN CBG CBD you know not every terpene every cannabinoid is going to be perfect for every person but yes. there is going to be a dose uh, thing that will bring value and benefit, I think, to everyone's quality of life, just depending on how they're using it and the intent. And that goes along with, you know, when people self-medicate, there is no dosing. There is, I'm just going to take whatever until I feel good. And, mm -hmm. you know, when the argument comes back, like, you know, I've, I've had these, I used to have these conversations with my wife. I'm like, look, if you're feeling something right now, I can help you. Like, I, I literally feel like I'm out like, like some Tolkien book, like I'm an apothecary with this cool green hat going, ah, what troubles you? Bring you over here. Oh, you got a bit of a headache and the shake. So don't worry, I'll roll you this joint and you're going to feel fantastic. And I did that with her. She's like, man, my legs, I don't know what's up with my legs and my stomach hurts. and I got a headache. I'm like, all right. I look at the strains I have and I'm like, all right, I roll up with this nice little pin joint. I'm like, let's go outside. Literally five minutes later, it's gone. And it's so wonderful knowing that the different uh, variations of this plant or strains, it really it just tells you that there are so many different ways to be able to match different people as typical Western medicine is just like, this pill works for all of these things. Like, mm -hmm. does it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there are right. some side effects. Like, you know, <laughs> bleeding out of your ears, erectile dysfunction, some other stuff. I mean, they're going to give you like this list of like horrible things will make your brain bleed. Like, wait a minute, what? Should I be taking this? Or like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about it's, it though. Well, there's another pill for the other side. And if you have any of these symptoms, <laughs> right. stop right away, drink lots of orange juice. Like, that's a very specific <laughs> command. Like, I don't know what's going on, but... But yeah, exactly. You said like it's it's being able to get these studies to be able to understand it, and especially with athletes, because that that just carries down throughout the rest of the public. You're seeing people that are at the pinnacle of keeping their physical health. Yet so many of them have you seen, I'm sure, have completely destroyed their lives or shortened their lives because of using something that because it was a prescription and it's supposed mm -hmm. to take care of this. Mm -hmm. It's accepted. I, I don't know. Yes. I, yeah, even yeah, that go, there's the self medicating that goes on, and then there's the prescription. And I mean, I've been prescribed like all kinds of things. You know, I've I've mm -hmm. broken bones, I've had surgeries, I've torn ligaments. I I mean, I've so you know things like um, heavy duty anti inflammatories. You know, I uh, what did I do? I tore. I think I tore a ligament in my ankle. What was it that I had? Um, and I wanted to, or it was a partial tear. Nope, it was a, an avulsion fracture in my foot. So avulsion fracture is where the ligament uh, or the tendon that's attached to the bone 
like pulls a chunk off the bone because uh, you just like tore your own body apart. You tried so hard, mm, you know? <laughs> and yeah. so I was in a tournament and I was like, did I twist my ankle? My foot swelled way up and it turned out to be this avulsion fracture. So really it, it, the pain was tremendous, but, um, that was due to the, the swelling. And so to get the swelling down, I, I took indomethacin, which is like a hardcore anti-inflammatory, but I wanted to play in the playoffs and they were six weeks away. So I took it for like six weeks and I was having stomach bleeding and like, it was really oh, wow. bad. And this was, this was right at the cusp of me. Like soon after I was like, Oh, I would have tried high dose CBD before, you know, if I would have known, yeah. um, before doing that. And so that's just one example, but interestingly, by the time I had surgery in like the end of 2017, I had hernia surgery and, um, I, I chose not to use um, any of the prescription painkillers afterward. I just used cannabis products, um, you know, flour, uh, THC, CBD, rich. Because um, THC, you know, is is a better painkiller. It's more effective. CBD is great for inflammation yeah. and it's all around. So I, you know, combine both, use both at different times a day, depending on what you need. And I was able to recover well. I was walking around within a couple of days, um, like, that's awesome. I could feel it, but you know, I, it was manageable. I managed the pain and I had a smooth recovery and I felt really good about it. And it was, it was cool to demonstrate to myself like, oh, okay, well, here we go. Here's a chance to really try out uh, <laughs> a different kind of need, yeah. you know, pain relief for this and, and how is this going to go? And so, yeah, so I always, I, since, I mean, I tend to try it as a first line, mm -hmm. um, defense on things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for, for different kinds of pain, whether that's migraines or an injury or, um, you know, it doesn't work mm. for everything. Nope. I yeah. had a, a rough incident during the early pandemic, like an early, like kind of mid 2020, I ended up getting a kidney infection, but it presented as like this intense back pain. So I thought I threw my back out. Wow. So I took some CBD rich RSO, but being RSO, even though the CBD rich is still very strong. Yeah. And so I got, I got super stoned, but it didn't help with the pain because as it turned out, it was Ugh. an infection that was raging. And so then I was just yeah. super stoned and in intense pain. <laughs> um, so that, that wasn't the, oh. um, and, and then you like hyper focus on it oh. you're like, oh. because you're yeah. left with deep to, thoughts yeah, of pain. Well, I, right. I would have gone to the ER, but it was like, this was early COVID where it was like, don't go there. It might mm -hmm. be a death sentence. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it was, was in like summer of 2020. So Jeez. I, so oh I made it gosh. through the night and I had a, I got like a fever of 103. It was bad. And so then I went to the doctor the next day and like, they yeah. figured it out, got me on like hardcore antibiotics with, you know, there are, are times and places for that, but right, yes. but for plenty of other things, um, I successfully used um, cannabis to just heal and manage and, um, and do that more successfully without things like stomach bleeding and <laughs> yeah. um, addiction and, you know, yeah. all of the other side effects of prescribed hardcore prescribed narcotics yeah. and, and muscle relaxers and all those things. Yeah. I can't even touch them. I mean, I, I got some dental work done. I, I had, uh, I don't know what it was. I think it was during the pandemic, but I broke one of my molars eating mm. like a, a chip or something. I put it in my mouth and it just, it was at the right time. And it just you hear this pop. And oh. I was like, Oh, but I finally got it. You know, I was, I was working with this company. They're like, Hey, we want to take care of that for you. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And the doc's like, you know, I'm going to give you a script of pain meds after this. He's like, you know, the older you are, when you get this work, it's really painful. I said, no, thank you. He's like, why? And I said, well, before I came in here, I mean, I puffed off of a vape pen. I'm ready to go pain-wise right now. And my inflammation is low. I said, let's get this going. He's like, you don't want gas? I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. And he was shocked. But I, out of all the times, I, and, and I hate dentists because of my childhood. Uh, back because, I mean, you remember, we grew up at the same time. It was like, open your mouth. And you thought that guy was going to bust that thing through the side of your face. And anyways, it was dark times. But anyway, we going full circle. <laughs> It, when he had that, I didn't feel any pain during the, the entire procedure. And then even after the inflammation was managed, cause I had enough CBD in me and then using THC at night so I could sleep. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing the different attributes it can bring. And so it's, I don't know, I, I just think it's so amazing what you're doing with the example that you've set and, and with your, 
your background and your prestige, it really helps people kind of break down that barrier. You're, you're making a lot more progress within the cannabis community based on just that. The amount of, of what you've been able to do is reach in, in helping people. Have you noticed that there's a little bit more destigmatization with what you are doing with your background? Does that help people kind of go, oh, yeah, maybe. Because people our age, they have, I, I feel that they are the hardest ones to bridge that gap because they still think of Spicoli from, you know, Fast Times at Ridgemont High or Days of Confused, like only losers use cannabis. Yeah, different generations have really been, um, you know, had that that ingrained so hard in them that um, honestly propaganda because our own, you know, government was involved in producing that false information when they had they've had the science for for decades that shows mm -hmm. it's not true. Um, but yeah, I think that's just down to the importance of storytelling in terms of like telling your own story, you know in a way that's sincere and genuine and honest and people are open to sometimes hearing messages from certain sources more than others you know for some people it'll really resonate for them to read some research but that would be i think it's a minority of people uh most people it really makes an impact when they can hear the facts of someone's life and um and then you can refer back to the research and say, oh, this is actually illustrated by these studies. Um, but there is a, a certain credibility that comes from lived experience. And, and so when you have a platform, um, it's, you know, you, you better make use of it because you can potentially open people's minds. And, and that matters because not only could they potentially benefit from cannabis or someone that they love, but we all know public opinion matters a lot in our laws in, and, mm -hmm. you know, in influencing what's legal and what's not legal. And sometimes it lags behind, you know, mm -hmm. most Americans have approved of cannabis uh, legalization for several years now, and we haven't seen that reflected fully in our politics, but we're moving that way. And so mm -hmm. You know, if I can just keep telling the truth and my truth, then, um, you know, that's that's what I can do to contribute to that. Because really, everyone should have access. There are people who are suffering mm -hmm. unnecessarily who shouldn't be, who could, you know, whose lives could be dramatically changed for the better. And we could be doing much um, more research. And right now that's blocked by the Schedule 1 status of cannabis in the U.S. So um, not to mention there are... Um, social injustices that need to be corrected. Yeah, um, you're around. part of the last prisoner project as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and because uh, it's just, you know, people shouldn't be in prison for cannabis. And we yeah. see also that, that those arrests and um, sentences happen in a racially disproportionate manner, which is another injustice on top of it. So, yeah. um, you know, we need to make that right. We have much greater problems in the world than people using a plant. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, which has been proven to be harmless on like every aspect of them using it, basically. So, well, even you think about with conflict, like when we talk about cannabis and and the therapeutic properties with it, especially for those who have a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger, um, maybe childhood trauma, whatever it may be. It's a great vehicle to be able to be a little bit more introspective and thinking, why am I all pissed off here? Like I'm, I'm a calm guy now. I, I was a very mm -hmm. angry guy for very many years mm -hmm. and I'm not too hippied out to forget that I still know how to do violence, but, um, <laughs> you know, at the same time, it's just, it just slows a lot of things down in perspective. And, you know, I, I especially when we talk about pharmaceuticals is going into mental health and mental illness and things like that. There, yeah, there are it, definitely cannabis is not for everybody on that side, but what it can do for anxiety, for depression, I've seen massive things within my own life with others around me. So I, I get it. It's like, it's just keeping to that, sticking to your word, saying, you know what, it's not that bad. And we, we really need to get more science on this. We can have completely different lives now and think of what could have been created 20 years prior for all the way up to now 
you know, when we're like, oh man, this is the best vape cart I've ever seen, where it would now be completely different how it transports through our system right now. What could they do? What could they have modified? Right. Yes. Yeah. And and you think about, you know, again, cannabis isn't all things to all people. It's going to interact with, with each of our unique body chemistry and endocannabinoid system. And so for some people, there are people out there who it, it wouldn't be useful in their lives, but there are many more who it would be. And those people shouldn't be blocked just because some people, you know, even if their personal experience is, oh, it did nothing good for me. That's fine. Um, but also, you know, people who could use it and benefit are, are much greater. And those are just the things that we know about. But I mean, there is really intriguing, really promising, really exciting early research for things like cancer and autism mm -hmm. that affects, they affect broad amounts of the population and, oh, yeah. um, and treatments are difficult. And so uh, why would we be blocking these uh, potentially breakthrough therapies? Um, so there's just really like, it's beyond urgent that we, we make things the way they should be. And yeah. that's, that's going back to me as a 13 year old being like, wow, wait a minute, this is really messed up. This, this shouldn't be illegal. Like my brain like, doesn't feel a, like an egg cracked in a frying pan. I feel just, kid, I feel great. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. I'm being told all this stuff. And I know, I know it's not true because I, right. I tried it and I know it's not true. And you know, and that also doesn't mean I, I have concerns about, of course, there's there can be misuse of cannabis. And there is oh, yeah. uh, people people who are abusing it and, and self-medicating to a point where it becomes a destructive force in their lives. But yet those rates are much lower than other things that are legal. Um, yes. Alcohol, nicotine kill many thousands of people every year and and prescription drugs. You know, like, can you imagine this substance? Well, it helps people with pain and it helps them with all these other things, but we think it's too dangerous because people could get addicted. Well, then why do we have Opiates opioids? Any other right? medications? Yes. Right, exactly. It's so it's just it's really it's really wild the um the strange hypocrisy. It's like a very it's a cultural yeah. cognitive dis dissonance that we have. So mm -hmm. um at a certain point people and and we all know that to some extent, there are a lot of people who could, you know, learn more, but I find that people are really open to it. And that's because cannabis really helps people. Um, a lot of older people, you know, their generations were like the, the baby boomers and, and older, they got a lot of really strong anti-drug propaganda. And so they can be hesitant. And if you explain, you know, explain the the science to them and give them like really good guidelines around like here's something you could try that you know you want to start low and go slow you know mm -hmm. see if see if this helps and then they feel relief i mean that changes people's minds right there you know oh, it yeah. works mm -hmm. it works and so that changes minds and i think that's another reason why um most americans favor having cannabis be legal yeah I agree. Yeah. Do you teach that in your CBD certification course that you do? Uh, teach what exactly? <laughs> the understanding of more of cannabis and like um, mm. legality stuff, everything into that, the science of it. Figuring out your dosing. I, I do. I, I touch on all. It's, it's a very action-packed um, 90 to 120 minutes, depending on how long we run. But I just go through like a brief like foundation of cannabis science it has a focus on cbd but it you know touches on everything and um practical things like how do you you know what are the delivery methods what are the different um pros and cons or uh, risks and benefits um yeah. and in the the political and cultural dimensions because those are important you know you can't look at this just as like even if if you live in a state where cannabis is legal and you have access is that is that then morally okay for me as an individual to be like, cool, I'm all set. I'm just going to do my thing here, ignoring the fact that there are people, again, like people suffering and people sitting in jail, you know. Yeah, for, for the so, same plan. Yeah. Yeah. And for me also, um, so I think consumers should really be involved in that. But also, um, 
anybody who works in the cannabis industry, really, if you make your living from the plant, you've got to be involved in activism. You know, it's just a, it's a moral imperative, I think. Do you have a way that people can get in touch with you for like the last prisoner project or like your CBD courses? Um, I am on Instagram. My, my username's exit drug. Um, you know, the opposite of a gateway drug, which is right. yep. <laughs> cannabis and CBD are often called um, exit drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you can follow me on there, reach out to me on there. Um, and also, I think, you know, Last Prisoner Project, you can reach out to them directly. They're, they're pretty great. They have a, um, you know, a strong organization, but I'm always happy to make introductions if people are interested in that. Um, I think right now they're doing a holiday letter writing um, where you can write to somebody who's incarcerated for cannabis and just send them some some cheer, you know. And are we allowed to send cheer in the mail to prisoners? Because <laughs> I'll roll up all the cheer and we'll send them all. <laughs> uh, emotional cheer if you don't want a very heavy knock on your door. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I I agree, and especially with what you're doing with uh, with these wrongfully imprisoned individuals you know we we've been seeing that like that's one of the first things that i would like to see done is let's just get that wave of the hand get all of these people out you know they're they're there with violent offenders they're there with people who have destroyed others lives financially you know these are people that need to be locked up when you just had somebody who had an exorbitant amount of plant and they're like i'm trying to help a lot of people when some of them aren't even that there's I don't remember the name, but there's one man that I've read and he's in there. I think it was like two joints or three joints and he's got a life sentence. Oh, of those three strike laws. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's insane. Kevin Allen in Louisiana. Probably, like, yeah. It was like 20 yeah. bucks worth of pot and it's like, yeah, it was, a, it was, a three, I mean, and it's like, insane. yeah, people get pulled over with ounces and all of this all the time. Yet this man's in prison for life. Yeah, just That's because insane. now, and it just goes back to what right. you're talking about, heavily being prop, the, the propaganda that was poured into their brains just uh -huh. makes it where it's no longer just a thought like, yeah, that's bad, or maybe we shouldn't do that. That turns into like almost a religious dogma at that point. Like, let's get them with the pitchforks. They got the pot. I can't believe yeah. they're doing this, destroying children. Are you right. kidding? Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think not only do a majority of Americans, again, think that cannabis should be legal in some form across our country. I think that, you know, generationally, we're making, you know, things are totally different with the younger people coming up, but, but even with the older people. Um, and that's why I always encourage people to be, um, to be open to do that's what I call everyday activism, even if they're just saying, Oh, you know, oh, I take CBD for my arthritis, it really helps it can um, make inroads into communities and um, and open some minds because again, public opinion is, is a powerful force for politicians. They don't care about a whole lot necessarily, but they do care about getting reelected usually. Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if it can become this issue where it's just an obvious, you know, it's a, it's a slam dunk, which I feel like we're really, we're almost at that point. I feel like it's getting there. We're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like there's some cogs that are not quite in place, but it's it's working on it and more people speaking up and being open about it. You know, not being afraid to have the conversations of about even simple cannabis use, you know. Yeah, or even that stigma that goes around it and it's it's because of individuals like you that are going out, that are speaking this truth and it's the reasons why we created this podcast is about those consumers, because in order for us to be able to to change those politicians' minds, you got to have a shitload Educated of consumers. consumers. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants, I mean, if you've got people that that's why we have the medications we have today available, there shouldn't be, you know, a, a great commercial about euthanasia where you're feeling like, oh, you know, that made me feel good about myself. Like, no, it should be more commercials about cannabis and, and mm -hmm. cannabis related products. Like, we should already be at that point. And mm -hmm. if we have more consumers that are saying, hey, we're done, we want this now, mm -hmm. that's when they go, well, the money's going this way and that's how we operate. So let's give them to them. Yeah. And, you know, money, money is another force that it's, it's a powerful force. And, and there are definitely 
you know, we see a lot of people wanting to get into the cannabis industry, mm-hmm. Ooh, Nick, big green rush, which, you know, isn't really the case at this point, um, that it's, it's not currently the most profitable industry. Um, and that has to do with a lot of different things. Federal taxation is a big part of it, but, but also, you know, I personally look at, at it as it's agriculture, it's healthcare, it's, it has environmental aspects and it can be the best of all these things if we do it right. Um, right. As, as well as um, criminal justice reform. You know, we don't need to have, we have people in prison where they shouldn't be number one because it's an injustice, but then also we're paying for that as taxpayers. We're paying yeah. for that. And, you know, so there's all these ways where society can um, progress and improve and people's lives can be better. How many in families are on welfare ways. too, because their parent is in prison for some stupid minor thing. So not yeah, only is it paying tax down. for that, it's also paying tax for the people on the welfare projects and that, that they're on versus having a supportive, stable family of the parents at home. Oh my God, they use cannabis, but there's a family. Like it's a lot oh, better support yeah. than how they destroy it. And yeah, it's... The war on drugs has has destroyed um, the lives of individuals, families and entire communities. And yeah, like you point out, I mean, if somebody, you know, drinks every night, they come home after work and they have a few beers. Nobody's knocking down their door to take their kids and drag them off to jail. So, you know, yeah. Why? Why should that be treated differently? And it shouldn't. Yeah. Well, this is awesome. Thank you so much for being able to have time out of your busy schedule. Um, we just felt that this would be so amazing for our audience to be able to hear this because the perspective that you give and especially the the idea of where you came from, where you are to now, and what you're trying to be able to do for the future of everybody there. Just like you said, if you're in this industry and you are profiting off of this plant, you need to be an activist. You need to be involved. It's not just because of your livelihood. It's because of the future of, of communities, of individuals, and being able to reform laws. Yeah. Can't thank you enough for coming on the show. This has yeah. been fantastic. Like, we truly appreciate you coming on the show and taking your time out of your day. So, Thanks so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. Oh, yeah. awesome. That, that's us every Anytime. day. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. It's like, Mostly what we do is talk no, about yeah, cannabis. That, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. So no, hey, thank you again. And for those who are listening and, and or watching this, um, all of the information uh, about all the organizations that that she's involved with is going to be down below in the uh, show notes. Yeah, in the ah. show notes, and go follow her. Go follow Exit her on drug. Instagram. Yeah, Exit Drug. So that'll be Don't in be the show friend. notes as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. This is awesome. Thank Thanks you guys so much. So much. Yeah. yeah. Take care.